We want to get into God's word this morning, and I'm excited to share the word that God's put in my heart for all of us. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about practice, about practice. You see, practice means you is to do something repeatedly in order to become proficient or good at it, right? Um, when I was a young man, a teenager, so we're talking about a decade, no, we're talking about a generation ago, um, and I, I, was, I would play basketball, I would be out on the court every day. Even if I wasn't playing in a game, I was practicing my shooting. Uh, when uh, I got married and for some ungodly reason, I uh, thought I could be the next Tiger Wood of golf, I took up the game of golf. I was at the driving range practicing my swing. Uh, in most professions, you will find that you do not get proficient unless you practice. And by the way, that even includes preaching. Uh, no one is born a natural preacher. Uh, you only get better at it as uh, you practice. And so, as you can tell, I need a lot of practice on that. So you need to be patient with me. By the way, the word practice also means this. It means to the exercise of a profession uh, or an occupation. For instance, you've heard the expression, it's the practice of medicine. Or this person is, is joining my law practice. Uh, so it also means that, that you're exercising a profession or an occupation. And as we're continuing today in our series that we've been in called Kingdom Principles, and if you remember, uh, the word principle uh, means a, a governing law, uh, a guideline, if you will, that you structure something around. And we have been seeing through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, because Matthew describes Jesus uh, as the king. And so we're looking through the Gospel of Matthew for these kingdom principles. And kingdom principles are spiritual laws that govern the kingdom of God and therefore govern us or should govern us. In other words, we should structure our lives around these kingdom principles if we want to live a life that truly honors and pleases God. And so I want to talk to you today about a kingdom principle that quite honestly uh, is something that does not come naturally to us. Something that you and I must practice in order to become proficient at. Something that must be a part of our life, the practice of Christianity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. One verse to launch us off. Listen. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed, that word blessed, we've been talking over and over about that. It means happy. It means to be envied. In other words, something that's going on in their life that makes them happy and that causes others to say, man, I wish I have what they have. Blessed are the merciful. Now, the word merciful there means one who refrains from harming or punishing an offender. 
In other words, it's one who is compassionate and kind to an offender. If I want to even break it down even more, it simply means you don't treat somebody as their sin deserves. And by sin, I'm talking about somebody who's hurt you or offended you. You don't treat them as their offense or their hurt deserves. Notice that the merciful are blessed because they receive mercy from God. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. And that receiving comes from God. See, I want to talk to you today about the practice of being merciful. The practice of being merciful. Because by nature, none of us are proficient. None of us are good at being merciful. See, mercy, listen, mercy is what nobody wants to give, but everybody wants to receive. Right? It's what nobody wants to give mercy, but everybody wants to receive mercy. See, from, from our personal perspective, we are always want justice. We want those who hurt or offend us to pay, to be punished. That's why you and I, if we call ourselves Christians, we must practice mercy. We've, we've got to do it repeatedly in order to become proficient at it, to, be good, to become good at it. It's also part of the practice of Christianity. You can't be a Christian if you don't practice mercy. Just like you can't be a lawyer and say, well, I'm going to join this law practice. God says, you want to join our law practice? Are you a lawyer? No, but I want to join a law practice. Hey, you know what? I, I, I want to join the hospital and become a doctor. I want, I, want to, I want to take part in the practice of medicine. The first question is, are you a doctor? Well, no. Well, how can you be part of the practice of medicine if you don't participate and learn about medicine? Well, you can't be a Christian and be part of the practice of Christianity if you don't practice being merciful. Are you with me so far? Okay. So now, I want to break down what being merciful really is all about. I mean, the root of being merciful deals with one thing primarily. In Matthew's gospel, I'm turning to chapter 6 now. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Hmm. Let me turn now to chapter 18. Now, in this situation, Jesus is talking about a a servant who owed his master an enormous debt, a debt he could not pay. 
and he fell on his knees and he begged his master for patience to give him time to pay off the debt, a debt he could never repay. In the story, Jesus said the master went on to go and show mercy, and he forgave the entire debt. That servant went away real happy. But then Jesus said he found a fellow servant who owed him a few bucks. I'm, just, I'm using modern-day vernacular. And he grabbed him and began to choke him and tell him, you need to pay the money that you owe me. And the servant said, you be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But the servant didn't want to hear that. And he had his fellow servant put in prison until he could pay the debt. And how many know, how do you pay a debt if you're in prison? You can't. Well, the other servants heard about this and they told the master, hey, you know, the guy that you forgave this debt that he couldn't pay, this huge debt, well, one of us owed him a few dollars and he had that guy put in prison because he wouldn't be patient or have him pay off. Well, the master calls the servant back in and listen to what the master told him. Shouldn't you have, had, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now listen to the words of Jesus. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. Come on, look at your neighbors. He's talking about you. To you, if you refuse to give your, forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So now... Being merciful has to deal with forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness with me. Forgiveness. You have to be forgiving of those who have hurt or offended you in one form or another. Now, it's important that I stress this. Forgiveness has nothing to do with forgetting. People say, well, I can't forget what that person did to me. Well, no one could ever forget because we are human beings and our mind is uh, this recorder that is on 24-7. And so when something happens in our life, especially a trauma where someone that uh, we maybe trusted in, someone that we respected or loved, or someone, regardless, did something to hurt us, uh, then, then that gets recorded, and it is there for the rest of our life. You can always remember the hurt. You can't erase that. But see, forgiveness has nothing to do about erasing a memory. No, forgiveness, being merciful, means I'm going to show compassion and kindness to this person. I don't wish them any harm, and I don't want them to be punished for what they have done. I am not going to treat them the way they deserve to be treated. You see, you recognize something that some of the other 
servants recognized when they went to the master and told about this wicked servant. The wicked servant had been forgiven a great debt from the master, the king, but he would not forgive a small debt from a fellow servant. You see, forgiveness is an act of kindness and compassion. One of the reasons why we forgive and why we demonstrate this kind of mercy is because you realize that no matter what a human being can do to me here on this earth, no matter how much they can hurt me or offend me, it pales in comparison to the injury I've caused God. In other words, the sin that goes vertical is much worse than the sin that goes horizontal. Are you with me what I'm talking about? In other words, that this person hurt me. They said something that wounded me deeply. And so I'm going to forgive them because I know my sins are greater against God than, they, than this person's sin is against me. That's what the king told them. I forgave you a greater debt. Shouldn't you have forgiven him the lesser debt, you see? No matter how much someone has hurt or offended you, your sin, your offense against God is always greater. Thank you, Brother June. I appreciate that amen. See, that, that amen comes from a man who's been on this earth long enough to recognize. No matter how long you walk with God, you see, you know, my righteousness is as filthy rags before God. And did you notice that the king, and we're talking about Jesus being the king, and remember, we're in kingdom principles. The king told the wicked servant, you are now going to be thrown in prison, and I'm going to do something you didn't do to the other servant. I'm going to have you tortured. I need to teach you a lesson. You say, wow, are we talking about a God who loves? Are we talking about a king who is gracious? Yeah, we're talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords who is loving and gracious, who sent his only son to die on the cross for you and me. You got to see something here. When you and I refuse to be merciful, when we refuse to forgive it results in God now saying, I am not going to be merciful to you now. I am not going to forgive your sins. Notice Jesus told, the first verses we read, Jesus said, if you do not forgive from your heart, your father will not forgive you your sins. You see, it does not matter that you and I may think we're forgiven. It doesn't matter when you sin against God and you cry tears of repentance. Oh, God, I'm sorry never to do that. Again. And you think, okay, now I'm okay. You can think you're okay. But if you have not forgiven the person you have, who have offended you, not Carlos, not Belmont, but the word of God says, God is saying, I will not forgive you. That means every day that we hold on to not forgiving our sin account, against God goes up and up and up because Jesus will never go back on his word. 
The Father will not forgive you your sin unless you forgive that person from your heart. See, it's not even enough to say it. You got to mean it. Is that heavenly music I'm hearing? I, I think God was in agreement with what I just said there, guys. In the end, being merciful isn't really letting the offender off. It isn't for their benefit. It's for our own benefit. Because if I don't forgive, you say, I'm going to make that person pay. I'm not going to forgive them. But come on, how many know? They're going on with their life. They're fine. They're enjoying life. And we're the only one that are miserable. We're bitter. We have all this. No, I'm going to make them pay. I'm never going to forgive them. And then all of a sudden, the one that's in spiritual lockup is you. For God is not forgiving your sins. And now you stand in a place where God is going to deal with you to the point where your soul gets tortured. Because you won't exercise Mercy. That brings me to this kingdom principle for today. Listen, you will not get what you refuse to give. You will not get what you refuse to give. Notice the Bible was very clear. The king told the servant, you refused to forgive that debt. And therefore, now... I'm going to bring you back into judgment and you will no longer get mercy from me. If you and I refuse to be merciful, then we will not receive mercy from God. Now, someone may say, but Pastor, you don't know what they have done. I can't forgive them. You see, it's a wrong word to use there because I can't implies that you don't have the power to forgive, which is not true. You can forgive. The more correct word is, I refuse to forgive. See, we don't like to use that word, but the truth of the matter is, when somebody hurts us, especially if they hurt us deeply, we get to that point where now we refuse to forgive them because we have determined that the, the hurt that they have brought us is of such magnitude that they don't deserve to be forgiven. But if you and I deserved to be forgiven, it wouldn't be called mercy. See? Mercy is God not treating you and I as our sin deserves. You can't wait until somebody deserves to be forgiven. That's not mercy. See, mercy is they don't deserve it, but I'm still going to give it anyway. That's what mercy is all about. And all of us, foremost for the, for the speaker, we all need and want mercy from God. I may say amen for that. I need and want mercy from God. But there's this kingdom principle is that you will not get what you refuse to give. And so I, I pray this morning that if you are a walking wounded, if you are living with some hurt 
in your life. I pray that you come to that place where you realize I am only continuing to hurt myself because my relationship with God is suffering. I'm cutting myself off from the supply of mercy that I so desperately need from God. Are you with me so far? So now this kingdom principle that you only receive what you're willing to give, it, it applies to so much more than just being merciful. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. One of the basic reasons why Christians, and I'm talking about people who are sincere, who have made the, the decision, I'm going to embrace Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I, I want him to come and live in my heart. I want to make sure that I have my security as far as when it comes to heaven one day. I, I, I believe in all of that. But the, they struggle in this Christian journey, in the practice of Christianity, they struggle because they have not come to the place where they don't realize you do not get what you refuse to give. And so, and what I'm talking about is they don't want to, they refuse to give God control of their life. In other words, we want God, but we want God on our terms. We want God, but we want to live our life the way we desire to live it, and we want God to bless it. And then they wonder, well, why am I constantly struggling in this Christianity? Why is it so difficult? Why are these things never working out? Well, because Jesus said, if you refuse to give, you lose. The more you try to hold on to your life, the more you lose it. But when you give it to God, when you surrender control of your life to God, now you find it, you see. That's why Jesus said, blessed, happy to be envied. I've never known someone that has surrendered their life in its totality to God. Lord, I release control of my life to you. I've never known somebody who has done that and been miserable. But I knew plenty of Christians who are maintaining control and have no joy. You see? When you surrender and give control to the Lord, you find it. Why? Because of this kingdom principle. You will not get what you refuse to give. To find life, you must first surrender it. Now, one last Area. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, buckle your seatbelt. The ride's going to get a little bumpy now. It always gets a little bumpy when we talk about money. But I want you to see something. I want to remind you of God's word this morning. In the Old Testament, the last book of the Bible, the book of Malachi, in chapter 3, this is God talking to his people. Listen, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Listen, God says, you have cheated me 
out of the tithe and offerings. See, there's that music again. This is God saying, listen, everybody, this is important now. Don't, don't shut God out now. We're in the home stretch now. Listen, God is saying, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings Do me. The tithe is 10% of the income. That was supposed to come to God. Offerings are anything over and above the tithe. Like when we talked a, little, a moment ago about giving to missions, right? You don't take from your tithes to give to missions. You give your tithes and then you give to missions. So tithe, that's 10% of our income. That's supposed to come to God. That's, by the way, that's supposed to be voluntary. That comes to God. That's God's money. And offerings are anything over and above that, okay? So God's saying, You're, you cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse. Wait a second. There's God again talking about cursing his own people. Not the devil, God. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. My God, are you hearing what God is saying? He's saying, my own people are cheating me. I blessed them and I said, here's what I require of you. Bring in 10% into my house. And then from that 10%, anything over and above that offer you want to give, wonderful. But through the course of time, God's people chose to ignore that. They were using that which belonged to God to try to build their own life and the things that they wanted out of life. Never realizing now, that they kept struggling. And God had to finally tell them, don't you realize you're under a curse? I put the curse on you. And the curse, if you go on reading that, God said, everything you tried to do, I won't let prosper. So you're wondering why you can't get ahead financially. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame the government. Look to me. I'm the one that did that. In other words, God is saying, I know what you want, but you will never get what you want because you refuse to give. When you refuse to give to God what belongs to God financially, you cut yourself off from the blessing that God wants to give. Notice there's a promise from God. This is the only time in the, all of the Bible where God says, I want you to test me. I want you to prove me, see if, I, if I'm lying or not. Go ahead. Begin to honor me and begin to bring the 10% of your income in, into my house. Begin to give over and above that and see if I don't bless you. I remember several years ago, I made an announcement that bears repeating today. I did not get clearance from anybody on the board. Nobody knew I was going to say this. But I told everybody, listen, this is God's word. This is not a promise from Belmont or the pastor. This is a promise from God. And so here's what I said several years ago that I want to repeat today. I told the people, if you start honoring God and bringing 10% of your income and God doesn't take care of your needs, you see me at the end of the year, we'll refund all your money. 
And I know afterwards, some of the board, I see some of the board members, oh my God, what did he just say? <laughs> but you see, my confidence wasn't in me. I'm just simply standing on God's word. The one who cannot fail. The one who will never go back on his promise. And there's this kingdom principle. We all want to be financially blessed. I get that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to make sure we understand we are kingdom people. Therefore, if we are kingdom people, then we have to structure our lives around kingdom principles. And if you structure your life around kingdom principles, even as Pastor Joey said earlier and testified, man, we've been honoring God and giving the mission, and God has been blessing us. Don't you get it? You can't out-bless God. You can't. And this is not a ploy for more money. I can tell you, God, because this church decided no matter what comes through COVID, we will cut our salary, but we will not cut missions. We made that decision that we are going to line up with God's purpose and God's mission. And because we did that, listen to me, because we did that, God was faithful to us. And God met all the needs that we had during this difficult year. And so I'm testifying to that, that as a church, we have proven God's word to be true. And we are asking you, I want you to be blessed. I want, in, in fact, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. Listen again, the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he says this, remember this. In other words, don't forget this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheer, uh, to you to give cheerfully. Here's the verse. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Come on. In other words, God is saying, guys, here's the formula. You want to be financially blessed? Here's the formula. Live your life, structure your finances around this kingdom principle. That, and understand it. You cannot, you will not receive what you refuse to give. You want to receive blessing, financial blessing? Then you have to begin by financially blessing the house of God. Structure your finances around what the Word of God says. Build it on His promises that if you do that, if you are generous, then God will be generous with you. Why? Well, if you go on to read the rest of the chapter, and we don't have time to do that, you will find this. God's saying, here's why I'm going to be generous with you. I'm going to be generous with you so that you can continue to be even more generous. In other words, never do you find God saying, Carlos, if you honor me with 10%, then I am going to bless you personally, and you can keep it all. See, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, I am going to bless you so that you will have everything you need, but you will also be positioned so that you continue to help others and bless. 
Because the more you bless, the more you are, are understanding money is not going to control me. I'm going to control money. And I'm going to use whatever financial resources God gives me to make sure that my needs are met, but to also make sure that I am using my financial resources to advance God's agenda, not my own. And when we do that, my God, then we come into that place where the blessings begin to flow. Worship team, if you would come. See, we're talking about this morning a kingdom a principle that if, if we refuse to give, then we will not receive, right? And we began talking about, and our major focus is the practice of being merciful. Because by nature, none of us are good at being merciful. Come on, isn't that, to all the married couples, isn't that the number one problem in marriage? Your spouse does something or says something to hurt you, and now you want her back. You don't want to forgive. You want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And more often than not, it's, okay, you did, you did that, and I'm, okay, now I'm going to do this. And now fights break out, arguments break out. Why? Because you hurt me, so I have to hurt you back. And no one wants to take the position, be merciful. Because the merciful receive mercy. Yeah, but, but, but then they're going to get over on me. Lead them to God. Didn't, didn't Jesus say, hey, you have heard it said, love your brother but hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy and bless them. You know what I've discovered? Come on, full transparency. We are harsher on people that we know than we are with total strangers. With that in the family structure at home, right? Why? Because I don't expect you to say something or do something to hurt me. You ought to know better than that. Therefore, because you ought to know better, I have to hold you to a higher standard, and therefore, I also have to hold you to a higher punishment. We don't, we don't understand mercy at home. And listen, we certainly don't understand mercy in church. How many people go from church to church and leave the place God brought them to because they were hurt. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I'm right at the top of the list. I left three churches because of that. And we don't realize, not only are, am I being hurt, but I'm also hurting people. You see, the bottom line is we're all imperfect in so many ways. We have so many failures and so many faults. Yet, but yet we have this understanding when I come to church I may get hurt out there but I don't expect to get hurt in church I get that and that shouldn't happen but if we're a family and we are hurts come people will say things or do things or won't do things I have 
a myriad of faults. I don't think there's anybody in this room that's more imperfect than me. And it really hurts my heart when I hear that somebody left the church because I didn't say hi to them. And I thought, are we at that place spiritually where because someone didn't say hi, we just pack up and leave? Is that where we're at as a, as a people? Why not rather say, you know, well, you know what? He doesn't have to say hi to me. Let me go say hi to him. You know that sister? You know, she didn't really hug me. Well, we're not hugging, uh, right? obviously, right now. But, but you get where I'm going. We get so petty sometimes. And I know you agree with me. That ought not to be in God's house. Because we all have our faults. We all, in one way or another, are imperfect. We are a work in progress. And this is called the practice of being merciful. Because nobody has mastered it. But it is an integral part of Christianity. Because like you, we all want God to be merciful to us. Stand with me.